Mark. It goes right along with what I've said many a time. That's good. Everything in creation, all of time itself, is so that each and every one of God's blood-bought children will be exactly where they're supposed to be in that time. In the day of his love, he comes to his children and calls them out of the darkness that we walked in and shines the light of glory of his son in the face, in the face of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text today will be from Deuteronomy chapter 3, but I want to turn... I want to ask you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 first. Three points. Well, first off, I'll begin by introducing today's message. It's titled, Thou Hast Begun. And I'd like to bring three points before you this morning. Who is the thou? What has he begun? And what are the results? If you're with me in Philippians chap chapter 1, will you look at verse 6 with me for a moment? Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul, writing unto the church at Philippi, wrote these words inspired by the Holy Spirit, being confident, he says, of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is confident. Now I want to stop there for just a second and think about that. Paul is telling the church at Philippi, I'm confident, I have confidence, I can trust in this, I know this within my heart. I can say this with all surety. That's what confidence means. I'm confident. Now think about that for just a moment. What in this world could any of us be confident in? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If I tell you I'm going to do something, don't take any confidence in that because John Reeves could fail. Everything changes, doesn't it? Everything on this earth changes at one point or another in some way or another. How can we take confidence in anything? You don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. World War III could break out and all the stuff that we had promised we would do or all the stuff that we thought we might be confident was going to happen. I'm confident, I would like to be confident, that we're going to go to Tahoe this afternoon after church and meet Brandon and Zeke. I would like to be confident in that, but anything could happen. My cars, all three of them could break down at once. I, have, I can't have any confidence in that, actually, can I? What in this world could we have confidence in? Everything changes. People change their mind. The rules change. If there's anything, those of us, have, and again, I'm, I, forgive me, brother, I don't mean to call you old, but any of those, anything that those of us who have been around a while, and you ask my club this, anything 
For those who have been around any length of time know anything at all, it's that nothing of this world is sure except death. That's a surety, isn't it? <laughs> Some of us can't wait for that day to come. Then we'll be in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ along with our brother Bill, just basking in the bliss of our Savior and the glory of His grace to His people. We can be sure of death. Oh, we know we try to avoid it, don't we? <coughs> we try to avoid it. But that's in vanity. For death comes to everyone. Everyone here, everyone who hears this message, they know one thing for sure, without fail, we all will face the door marked death at some time or another. Paul is confident. What was he confident in? What does it say? He which hath begun a good work in you will perform. Now I want to stop right there and think about that for just a moment. What does this word perform mean? The King James Dictionary defines it this way. The word is epitelio. E-P-I-T-E-L-E-O. Epitelio. It means to fulfill. To further, to further complete, to execute. By implication, it means to undergo, to accomplish, to do, to finish, to make perfect. So we take that word, that word perform, he which hath begun a good work in you will perfect it, will perform it, He's confident in this one thing, that the one who started a good work will perfect it, will complete it by himself. Until the day of Jesus Christ. So what it's telling us is this. It's telling us that the one who began the good work in you will be the one to finish it. The day of Jesus Christ. You know what day that is to God's people? That's the day we stand with our Lord in glory. The day of Jesus Christ came that day on an evening, on a Friday evening for our dear brother. The Lord took him from this world right there on his Harley. He stood with God. He came looking for a message. You know that Bill came, he left his home, he got on his motorcycle, he rode as far as a mile from the church here expecting to hear a message. And he heard the word of God from his own lips. Woo! That's the day of Jesus Christ. The Lord started a good work at Bill at some point in his life. And he finished it. The day he took him home. Let me ask you this. The one who does a good work and finishes it. Does that not remind you of this phrase? Salvation is of the Lord. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Paul's thanksgiving and joy on behalf of this church sprang from the confidence and the persuasion that the work of grace that God had began in them would result in their eternal glorification with Christ, Henry Mann. 
What is this good work? What is this good work that is began? And to whom is it began in? And what is the result of this work? Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 36, if you would, please. Ezekiel chapter 36. In last night's, in last Friday night's Bible study, we considered the wonder of the almighty sovereign God. The title of our study was Sovereign. We, we looked at his attention to minute details. He had sent two disciples into the town to seek out a, a, a colt, an ass's colt, a young donkey, a young ass, one that had never been ridden, tied up. And he said, when you find that colt, untie it and bring it to me. And if somebody comes to you and says, what are you doing? Tell them that the master needs it and they will let you go. And guess what? Exactly what he said would come to pass came to pass. Why? Because he's all sovereign God. He's sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over details. He's not just God over this. He's God of everything. Everything. His deliverance of his word is mercy and grace, and the first work that must be done is regeneration. A new heart must be planted. The old stony heart must be removed. And twice in Ezekiel, we see this declaration. First in Ezekiel 11, let me read that for you, and then we'll read from Ezekiel 36. He says, all and I will give them this is God speaking to the prophet Ezekiel tell Israel and I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh that's the Lord's word that's called regeneration that's what the Lord was talking about when he said to Nicodemus you must be born again Nicodemus was confused about that. What do you mean? How am I supposed to go back in my mother's womb? No, that's not possible. Did you have anything to do with your first birth? No. You don't have anything to do with your second birth either. It's all of God. That's what he was talking about, about the wind bloweth where the wind, where, where the wind listeth. Our God controls the wind. Look here in Ezekiel 36 with me, if you would, beginning at verse 21. Excuse me, Mike. Beginning at verse 21, we read these words. Now think about this, folks. This is not just talking about Israel of that day. This is talking about all of God's people throughout time. Well, I'm not a Jew. If you're of God, you are. Spiritual Israel is all of God's chosen people, all for those who God went to the cross, the Lord Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood for. That is Israel. That is spiritual Israel, all of them. So the prophet is talking to all of us. See if these words don't fit you at one time or another in your life. Verse 21, but I had pity for mine holy name. He had pity not because of them, but for his holy name which the house of Israel, ooh, there it is, had profaned among 
the heathen where they went. Every one of us know what we were before God called us out of darkness. If God called you out of darkness, you know exactly what you were before then. One who profaned the word of God. One who took the word of God and said he doesn't have the power he said he had. Profaned among the heathen, whether they went. Now look at verse 22. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes. That means not because of anything you could do. That means you can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. You can't make a decision for it. You can't get baptized for it. You can't come to the table for it. It's not for your sakes. goes on to say next, but for my holy name. For my holy name's sake, because of Christ, all blessings to God's people flow through him. That's what we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Which ye have profaned, this very holy name, which you have profaned from among the heathen, whither you went. Verse 23, and I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, saith, that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall sanctify in you before their eyes. Kathy used to wonder, what happened to my husband? We used to go and ride on Sundays, and go hang out with our biker friends, and stop at the bars, drink and eat at the nice restaurants, run on Friday nights. We used to do this and do that. What happened to my husband? Oh, that man, Gene Harmon. He brainwashed him. What happened to John? Something happened. She knew what it was. She knew something was, was happening. She may not have been able to point her finger at it, but she knew something was going on with her husband. I got to watch the day when the Lord did the same thing he did to me and her. <coughs> what a joy that was. What a special day that was for me in life to see the Lord open my wife's heart as he did mine. I shall be sanctified you in you before their eyes. Verse 24, for I will take you from among the heathen. Oh, some of us have been taken from some pretty big heathen, haven't we? Catholics, <coughs> Seventh-day Adventists, Lamar and Carol, they were from the Mormons. John Reeves, he was from the South. John Reeves. <laughs> We've all been taken from something, haven't we? And brought into the glory of our Savior. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. The land of milk and honey. Verse 25, Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you. Ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. 
maybe wonder, why didn't he say, well, you will put away your idols? Because we won't. We sang the song, I'm going to lay down my crowns, or lay down all my trophies. Folks, if it's not, if it wasn't for God choosing me, I'd still have those trophies. I still try to carry them at times. Thankfully, he won't let me carry him very far. Are any of you like that? Do you have trophies you carry around with you at times? Oh, Lord, help us to lay them down. Clean us from our filthiness, from our idols. Cleanse our hearts, Lord. Verse 26, and a new heart. Regeneration. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Oh, Lord, cause me. Lord, bring me. Turn me, and I shall be turned, and ye shall keep my judgments, he says at the end of verse 27, and do them. Now I want you to turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 3. For his glory, God will do these things for the glory of his name. As you're turning over to Deuteronomy, let me read over in Ezekiel uh, uh, that we just turned from there, verse 38. As the holy flock is the flock of Jerusalem and her solemn feast, so shall the waste cities be filled with the flocks, shall know that I am the Lord. For his glory name, for the glory of his name, God will do these things. How do I know that? For in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 29, and also in verse 31, it says these words, that no flesh should glory in his presence, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now, look with me, if you will, at verse 24 of Deuteronomy chapter 3. Verse 24 of Deuteronomy chapter 23. Moses. Actually, this, let's, let's begin at verse 23. He says, And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun. Moses, declaring unto God, Thou, you, O Lord, hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand for what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might. I want to consider what God has revealed to us through the preaching of his word. His greatness. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 if you would please. <clears throat> Who is the thou? It is God. Man cannot give life to himself. Only God can give life. This is what the Lord was telling Nicodemus. He says, don't worry about being born again. Don't try to worry about that. God will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy. 
Man cannot give life to himself. Only God can give life. And Christ Jesus has authority over all life. That's what we read in John 17, 2, where the Lord praying to the Father says, As thou hast given him, given Jesus Christ, power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Who has power over eternal life? Jesus Christ the Lord. Lazarus, who was dead, was given life that he would hear the word of God when spoken to. When the Lord said, Lazarus, come forth. God gave him life to hear those very words. God begins the work of grace by the preaching of his cross, teaching us that once we were dead, once we were separated from God by our sins and by his great grace, what great things are being shown, are being revealed what are the things that thou hast revealing to me, the great power of God? Life. Eternal life. Where we were once dead in trespasses and sin, now we live in him. He begins a work of grace by the preaching of his cross, teaching us that we were once dead, that we were separated from God by our sins, and by his great grace, he laid down his life for us, Paying our debt in full. Do you ever get tired of hearing that? Oh, I'm telling you folks, the cup of Christ is abundant to us who are sinners. The grace of our Lord is abundant to those of us who walk through this valley of the shadow of death. What is his greatness? His greatness is that he humbled himself and became flesh. Spirit cannot die. God is the mystery. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Spotless blood must be shed. Folks, you can spend eternity, and that's exactly what you will be doing if God has not died for you. And not one drop throughout eternity will do any good for you. Why? Because your blood is not spotless. Not one single person. Spotless blood must be shed to satisfy the justice of the Almighty, Holy God, and righteousness must be established where there was none. The blood of Christ, the Son of the living God, fills the demand abundantly in Himself. That's what we read in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This is what the cross of Christ is all about, folks. It's about grace. It's about God's grace. Sovereign grace. You can't earn that. If there was anything you could do to add to that, and I say that boldly, because too many people are out there hearing this thing, God has done this if you'll just do this. And that's a lie. It takes the grace of God and puts it underfoot. It destroys the perfect blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Our Lord saved his people. He didn't come and try. He saved his people. He saved his people by sending the Son of God to be our substitute, to be our scapegoat. As the Word of God says it, our propitiation our spotless sacrificial lamb. 
This is the greatness that he has begun to show to his servant, to all of us. That was what I saw the first day when I sat over here. God has done something. It's not that one that I heard before in life about somebody who was trying to do something and couldn't do it. It was he who did it. He's not waiting on me. He does it. He doesn't need us for anything. And the results of that is we praise his name. Oh, the grace of God. What a praise for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy. I deserve death, yet I receive life through your Son, the Lord Jesus. This is the greatness that he has begun to show his servant. O oh, Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand for what God is there in heaven and earth that can do according to thy works, according to thy might. How great art thou works in showing anything to this poor sinner. I deserve his wrath, but in thy greatness thou hast taken my sins as thy own. The one who knew no sin, never once had he sinned, yet he took my sin as his own and laid down his life for me that I would be made righteous in him and have eternal life. And he says that to each and every one of his children. When you get that new heart, when the Lord gives a new heart, it's a willing heart. It's a heart that comes to him. I want to come to God. I do come to him now. I wouldn't have came before, but I do now because of the new heart he's given him. It's all of grace. Grace alone. Sovereign grace. What a great God. How gracious are thy ways, O Lord. This is the new song that the people of God sing. Great is thy faithfulness. Are you telling me, John, that there's nothing I can do to better myself? Folks, of this world, there's all kinds of things that we can do to better ourselves. Before God, There's nothing. That's not fair. Who are we to question God about fairness? What do you know about fairness? If you've seen, if you've had the sin in you revealed to you, and you know what's fair is that we would be condemned to hell forever. That's what makes the grace of God so beautiful. As children of God, we know what we deserve. We know what we've earned. Nothing's changed. The difference between me now and then is now I look to the true and living God for everything. Whereas once I may have looked to John Reeves, whereas once you may have looked to something in the Catholicism religion or whatever religion you may have gone to, now you look to Christ for everything. And he keeps 
bringing us right back around to that. That's the graciousness of God. Revealing his mercies and his grace to us every day. New mercies. I know what I was when I woke up. New mercies. God has saved me from that. Oh, this is the new song we sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Are you telling me there's nothing I can do to deliver myself of this world? Maybe so, but before God, that's exactly right. There's nothing. Well, that's foolishness. I believe there's got to be something I can do. then you don't believe God. That's what it says in Romans 3, verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth God good. No, not one. I know I've done some good. That's not what God's Word just says. If you think that, then you don't believe God. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and mirth and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Folks, the greatness of God begins in those that he has loved from before the foundation of the world, and that is belief. Faith in his word. Isn't that what we read in John 3.16? Everybody wants to focus on God so loved the world, and then they skip completely by this part. Whosoever believeth. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is the word preached. Are you with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? Let's begin at verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, writes Paul to the Corinthian church. And then he says this. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. What is the greatness of God? The greatness of God is that he has chosen to reveal himself to us through the preaching of his word. The word of the cross of his son. The power and the effectualness of his cross. Anything else would make his cross of no effect. That's what that's saying. Our church, we, we help the poor, we do all this good stuff, we, we, we raise money for uh, the poor folks down in Mexico to get an ambulance for them. That's not the gospel. That's not the good news. The good news is Christ and Him crucified for His people. That's the greatness of God, is that He reveals Himself through those words. Verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. As one who was once lost, I have been given sight to see his greatness, 
in sending his son with all power to accomplish my salvation. All power. What does that mean? That means that it's done perfectly. It's done. Is there anything for me to do? No. Do I have to worry about anything in the future? Uh-uh. It's already paid for. You mean I have assurance in what he's done? Yes. That's what that means. We can trust in him. By his faith, God-given faith, that's trust in him. Verse 19, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? What's the wisdom of this world? There's got to be something I can do. Verse 21, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. In our Lord's greatness, he is pleased to reveal himself to this poor sinner through the preaching of his word. What a simple message it is. A message even a simple mind as mine own can understand. A childlike understanding. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, uh, continuing on then in verse 22, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, there's some, but not many, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And then drop down to verse 29, we read these words, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him ye are in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorious, let him glory in the Lord. Now what is this good work God has begun? In Ephesians 2, verse 8, we read this, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What is this good work that God has begun? The work of grace. Who is this great work? Grace. Who is this, who is this great work of grace begun in? In John 6, verse 37, we read these words, It's begun in all that the Father giveth me, for they shall come to me. Not the whole world. Not everybody in the world. But unto all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. What is the result of this great work of grace? We'll follow that up. Backside of verse 37. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. That's the result. Him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And then he tells us why. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. What was the will of him that sent me? 
that he should lose none. I have two children, two grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. I have no idea if they belong to God. They show no sign of it whatsoever. No sign. I didn't either for 40 years. I know this with an assurance. If they belong to God, they will come to him. Think about this for a moment. David, King David, a man after God's own heart, on his dying bed said these words, Even though my house be not so. That means all of his family. Now there's only one in David's family that we know of that God blessed, and that was Solomon. His son Solomon. Other than that, David had all kinds of children. Even though it be not so with my family, I have a, God has made a covenant with me. What a blessing. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. That every tongue, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. Look with me, if you would, at Psalm 121, and then we'll bring that to a close. Psalms 121. Short psalm. This is the new psalm. This is the song that we who deserve God's wrath sing now about the one who has began a good work in us and who will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I will lift up mine eyes, verse 1 of Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. <laughs> my help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by the day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth even forevermore. He who hath begun a good work in us. We can take stock in that, folks. If it's the good work of Christ, nothing is going to fail. Oh, I know. We stumble in our own sin, but it is He who brings us to the feet of Jesus to lay all that before Him. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. Amen. Stand with